Welcome to Dare a New Belief, a place to discover what is possible for your life after the loss of a loved one, and where you will find inspiration, insight, support, and love, and hopefully a bit of laughter to help you through the day. Now here's your host, Nada Hogan. Hello and welcome to Dare a New Belief in What is Possible for Your Life. Today, I am so honored to have Lorraine Hoving with me. And Lorraine is a speaker, a radio show host, and a lover of life. (laughs) When Lorraine turned 60, she realized if she was blessed with 30 more years, her life was already two-thirds over. The weight she had vowed to lose, the health she promised to obtain, lay there in a big heap of empty promises. She wondered if she would or could ever change. And Lorraine dug deep and decided she was 100% responsible for her life. She faced the trauma of her past, learned to forgive others, and to begin her journey to worthiness. Lorraine has now lost a total of 125 pounds. And con- <laughs> yes. And continues on her path to total health and wellness in her mind and in her body. In 2018, she was blessed with an opportunity to host her own radio show on SOB Radio, which was then picked up by iHeartRadio, and it is entitled Never Too Late Ever. Lorraine's best enthusiasm and passion are contagious, and you guys will all discover that as you listen along with us today. Welcome, (laughs) Lorraine. Thank you, Nada. I am so excited to be here. I love all all of you out there. This is going to be an exciting time. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And Lorraine and I just met recently when we were at an event together down in Tampa, Florida. The energy that comes off of you is amazing. It's fabulous. You are good energy to be around. I just know you have so much wisdom to share with the audience. Well, thank you, Nada. (laughs) Yeah, yes. So, Lorraine, one of the first things that I want to ask you, because you know, this show is based on allowing other people to become inspired from hearing other people's stories on how they were able to overcome adversity of whatever it was. And I know for you, you had some major trauma in your childhood. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I'd be happy to tell you. Um, So as you said, that when I was 60, I I realized I looked back and saw all those empty promises lying in a heap. And so I did some soul searching at that time. At 60, I just decided something had to change. And there was a reason. I had lost weight in the past. I had lost, um, previously lost about 100 pounds and then gained uh, most of it back uh, because I hadn't dealt with what was really eating at me. If you haven't dealt with what's underneath the surface, uh, no matter what you do, you're going to self-sabotage yourself again. And that's exactly what I did. As soon as I started losing the weight, I started getting scared, scared of being seen. So when I turned 60, I realized that something had to change from the inside out. Instead of working on the outside, I needed to work on the inside. And so I started looking at uh, different personal development. I remember, just like it was yesterday, going on online and looking at personal development classes or 
or anything I could find on um, past trauma. And uh, so I found a class and it was recommended to me by somebody in my office and it was a leadership class. Hmm. And uh, so I went down to uh, Southern California and in the class, I learned to go back to some of the uh, trauma. I had lost my father uh, suddenly when I was 12 years old. Mm. And I was really, really, really close to my daddy. And uh, there were six of us children. My daddy and I kind of spoke the same language, if you know what I mean. We were very yeah. affectionate, very loving, very happy-go-lucky. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, when he died, uh, suddenly, I, I still remember going to the door when there was a priest there. I was the one who answered the door, and I will never forget it because I knew something was terribly wrong when I got to the door. They asked for my mom, and my world literally shattered when my daddy died. And I had an older brother who was two years older uh, than me, and I think that I, this is what I think. Um, he, he's no longer living, so I, I can't dig into it for sure or know for sure. But I think he might have been jealous of the relationship I had with my daddy because mm -hmm. um, it was obvious to everyone in the family there was a bond there. And so he started to, as once uh, dad had passed, he started to tease me like incredibly, like it, it's hard to even imagine. I would call it bullying, but he wasn't, um, um, you know, he didn't physically abuse me, but I would call it definitely bullying. I remember him saying fatty, fatty, two by four, can't get through the bathroom door. Right. Yeah. And we had a small bathroom door and I used to remember looking at that bathroom door and I'm thinking, what if he's right? What if I someday I can't get through the bathroom door? Everything I did, I remember him chasing me around the block with a snake. Every single, oh. <laughs> every single move I made, uh, he he teased teased me about what whatever I did. So I began to hide. This is when I think I really began to hide because I had been a very happy-go-lucky child, loved everybody, loved animals, loved life. And suddenly I have this uh, bully in front of me making fun of every single move I made. So I began to hide. I remember at that time I started uh, sneaking down. I had a bedroom downstairs and my brother was right across from me and I'd sneak down with a bowl of ice cream at night because I knew if he saw me have the ice cream, he'd tease me. So I'd sneak down. I remember putting the bowl underneath my uh, bed and sneaking up in the morning to wash it. And oh. yeah, in that, I think there's a, a real good lesson because what you do in secret, I believe you're as sick as your secrets. And that was a secret to me. I had to start hiding. And so consequently, I started hiding and started putting a few layers on. Of course, at this time, I was maybe five, 10 pounds overweight when he was teasing me. Uh, not, not bad at all. But then I um, ended up hiding in that. And then I ended up my highest weight made a, uh, was 275 pounds, which is a lot on a five foot two frame. So that's where I ended up. Yeah. So how old were you, Lorraine, when you found yourself at 275 pounds? Uh, let me see, about 
25, um, yeah, somewhere around 25, 28, that's when I, I gained uh, 60 pounds with each of my uh, babies and then never lost it in between and then just kind of got lost in all of it. And uh, 275 pounds was my highest. And I'd say that was probably about 28. That's a good question. I should actually figure it out sometime, but it was about <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it was after my babies. And uh, then I just never took it off. I, I never took it off until, you know, the time when I took 100 off, and then I self sabotage myself again. So right, right. And isn't that amazing how we do that we tend to when we're moving towards the goal that we want or the vision we have in our life. And as we're obtaining it, how it kind of puts us out into the open almost naked, and then we'll come back to that self-sabotaging. Right. Did you realize you were doing it? Did you realize you were self-sabotaging, or was it more of a subconscious thing that you were doing? I think it was a definitely a subconscious thing. I didn't realize. I do know that I was starting to feel a little naked, like you said. I'm starting to feel like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm sticking out here, and I've, you know, I've always been able to hide, you know, yeah. in, the, in the background. And so I do remember feeling that way. But did I think I was actually self-sabotaging myself? Probably not. Um, I was just thinking, oh, Lorraine, you've never been able to do it. So you can't do it this time. So kind of those negative thoughts. And you're just going to gain the weight back. That All of that negative thought. Because I hadn't really dealt with the root problem, which ended up being... Uh, having to go back uh, to my past and actually forgive my brother. Now, I had said to my brother while he was still alive that I had forgiven him, yeah. but it yeah. was more, uh, I, I don't know how to explain. It was just something that somebody said, well, you need to forgive him. So I just kind of did. But in this personal development class, I got to go back. Um, they had us actually explain out loud our anger. I said, I'm angry at you. You made me feel, and I, I just unloaded as if my brother was standing there. Right. And I tell you, it was total freedom to unload like that. I even forgave my dad for feeling like I had been abandoned and he left me. And then I had a, a bully of a brother. You know, on all of this, I realized too, that my brother, so when I forgave him, I realized that he didn't know what he was doing. So that's, that's how you can forgive somebody is because it's not something they're intentionally, well, he's intentionally doing it, but he's not aware of why he was doing it. And I think he was jealous. And so it was free, so freeing to forgive him because he didn't know any different. He was a child himself. Uh, and then the, the greatest thing, Nada, what I had to do was and and it was the hardest thing because i i pretended i already had done it but i actually had to forgive myself and then that makes me a little weepy because in forgiving myself i had to realize that i had actually in some ways uh, stole from my children's life in the fact that i couldn't do some of the things that i could do when i was 275 pounds and they'd go skiing, I'd sit in the lodge, and I'd pretend that it didn't bother me. And I'd read and do all kinds of fun stuff, but it really did bother me. And I had to actually go back and say, you know, I forgive you for that. 
because I used to just go, well, that was just part of my journey and I'd slough it off. But I really had to say, Lorraine, I forgive you that you um, actually did that to your children. My children, of course, you have never, you know, they, they loved me just the way, just the way I was. But <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and did you know, so when you would be sitting in the ski lodge reading a book and your kids are skiing or wherever you happen to be, and you're like, oh no, this is fine. It doesn't bother me at all. Did you deep down inside, do you think that you knew this really does bother me and I'm just shoving down these feelings so I don't have to deal with them? Right. Exactly. I knew it bothered me and I shoved it down. And you know how you shove it down is, is then you do the one thing that you you know how to shove it down and I'd shove it down with food. Yeah. So I, I'd eat so that I could numb that feeling because I didn't want to deal with that feeling that maybe I was, you know, not, not living my life to the fullest for my children. And so in order to deal with that, I would numb the feeling. And so it's like a vicious cycle, like somebody would do with possibly with alcohol or some, some other substance abuse, I would do with uh, food. Oh, right. Yeah. So then you don't have to feel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And isn't it just, it's so amazing. I think that so many of us go through life putting on the big facade for everybody when inside we're falling apart and we know we are, and we know that we're putting on this big show, but we don't either, we don't know what the steps are to take to heal that or it's just so painful, we just can't step out there and actually start doing something about it. And so we stay in that vicious cycle of doing the same thing over and over and just praying that it's going to end or somehow I'm going to spin off of this merry-go-round and be able to do it differently. Did it feel like that for you? Like, I know I can make better choices. I know I can do this. And, and did, it, it, did it feel like when I say like, you know, that big facade that we put up, like, you know, oh, I'm tough and I'm strong and, and I can handle it. And, and yet it's like, there's this little girl inside that's just crying and saying, you know, I need some help here and I don't even know how to reach out. Right. That little girl was always there that wanted to come back out and play and be that playful, happy, happy, go lucky little girl. She didn't know necessarily how to come out, but this is what I've learned, Nada, is that until we take so we can become the victim so it was easy for me to say oh well if i you know you know it was my brother's fault or um if my husband wouldn't bring home tortilla chips or you know what i mean we go on and on and on in blaming others until i took a hundred percent responsibility and i actually literally did this i looked in the mirror because so for people that are overweight, they'll avoid the mirror. If I went by a window, I wouldn't look over at the window because I was scared to see the reflection. Because somehow in our head, we've convinced ourselves it's not as bad as we think. Right. And um, I remember looking at myself when I was about 60, taking my clothes off and looking at the mirror. It wasn't to be nasty to myself or anything. It was to be real with myself. Because I looked up on the charts, and I hadn't wanted to do this, but I wanted to know what morbidly obese was. And I fell into the category of morbidly obese. So I looked at myself, and I said, Lorraine, you are morbidly obese. Not to be mean, 
because for so long I had hidden. I had pretend it didn't bother my children. I pretend it didn't bother my husband or bother myself. But when I finally did that and took 100% responsibility for me, that is when things changed. Yeah, yeah. So why do you think, I mean, I know that it was 60 and you realize if I'm going to live another 30 years, two thirds of my life is already over and you took the responsibility. Why was it different this time? Do you think it was because of the age that made it so much different this time that you were really able to do something with it? I think a combination. Um, I think it was definitely my age thinking, wow, two thirds of my life is over and I've been trying every New Year's resolution for 42 years. What's that about? I have said every Monday I'm going to start my new diet. I have, and then I wake up on Tuesday and say it's going to be Tuesday. And then suddenly 40 years have passed. Yes. So um, it was part that, and then part, this is what I realized. I have been married to the most wonderful husband for 42 years. And he has loved me through thick and thin. And that is quite literally thick and thin. He has loved me through it all. And in fact, somebody said, wow, your husband's, you know, they were actually surprised that he would stay with me for 42 years, you know, going up to 275. And I said that he loved me for what I was inside. He saw that. And the outside was just, that's just a frame. That's not your heart. Because I asked him, I said, why have you stuck with me? And he said, it was your heart. I knew, I know who you are. So he has always believed in me. So when I got, when I turned 60, it was not only turning 60, it was also, here is this man that I have loved through these years. And how would I, what would it be like for me to actually rob him of being with me because I was so selfish? You know what I mean? We, we don't know when, you know, we're, when we're going to go to the other side, of course. But if I can prevent it, what am I doing? Why would I be so selfish as to, if I can help this, if I can live a wonderful life with him into our 90s, why don't I choose that? And so that was some of the wake up call, not only my age, but the fact this man had stuck with me and I needed to give back to him. So that was part of it too. That is so beautiful. Uh, that is so beautiful. And you can feel the power of your love when you're talking about that. And there's no question you guys will be going happily into your 90s and enjoying <laughs> a beautiful life together. I, I love it. If you can, if, if this is what I was thinking, if you, if I can do something that actually can prevent, give me a longer life, then that's what I need to be doing. And, and, and I would encourage people out there too, in your audience, in my audience, now is the time. It's not tomorrow. I've done too many tomorrows. So if you're 25 or 30 and you have a weight problem, the time is now because, you know, waited and waited all those years. And now I'm living the life of my dreams. I, Nada, I am so happy and so thankful. And guess what I got back? I got the little girl back, the little girl 
that was fun-loving and happy and go-lucky and loved everybody, she came back because I dealt with some of that trauma and took off the layers. My life's never, never been as good as it is now. It's wonderful. <laughs> oh, that is so fantastic, Lorraine. And speaking of the trauma, is that completely healed or are there pieces that still show up for you and you're still having to work through some stuff, even though you have lost all of this weight? And I can tell you, because I've seen you in person, you are beautiful. You, you are beautiful from the inside out. You radiate, Lorraine. So. Yeah. I mean, it's the truth. You do. Does any of that trauma ever show itself to you anymore? I, I would say not really. I'd say, do I str- struggle losing weight? Yeah. And, but not based on uh, necessarily all of a sudden I feel like I need to hide. Um, it's more habits that I've had for all these years because you know, even when you're hiding, then it becomes habits that you have that are poor. So once in a while, I have to deal with that. would say once I actually forgave my brother and truly forgave him. And then the big, huge thing I would say is the huge, gigantic thing was forgiving myself. Because when I forgave myself, I could move on. Yeah. Because somewhere in there, I hadn't forgiven myself. And that's where a lot of the self-sabotage, because I didn't deserve it. But guess what, Nada? I, I do deserve it. And I do feel worthy. And I ha- in forgiving myself, it's as if I said, I am worthy. I am worthy of my health, just like everybody out there is worthy. We are intricately created. When we put ourselves down and think that we don't deserve it, it's not true. We really do deserve it. Yes. Um, I think that I have never, ever gone back uh, once I forgave myself. Yeah. And what year was that, Lorraine, that you completely forgave yourself? I'd say I was, I started on that journey about 60 and probably I'm, I'm 64 now. And I would say I went to the course and, and over a year period, maybe 61, 62, because somebody said to me, they were working with me and they said, Lorraine, you, who else do you need to forgive? And I said, nobody. I said, I've forgiven everybody in my life. I'm empty, you know. I said, I've forgiven everybody. And they said, no, you've got to forgive somebody else. And then suddenly, it's like I broke down in just sobs. And I said, I have to forgive myself. And when I forgave myself, it gave me permission to love myself just the way I was and say, Lorraine, you are a whole person and you deserve to be healthy. Oh, I think that's so beautiful, Lorraine. And I'm just so honored and I just applaud you because it's easy to say all of it, but not take any of the action steps and do anything about it. So you walked your talk and it's just just beautiful. I want to ask you about your brother. How many years ago, is that okay? Can we talk about your brother? Yeah, uh sure. So how many years ago was it that he passed away? He passed away about, I'd say, seven or eight years ago. His death was kind of tragic. You know, I loved, I actually loved my brother. He was really a fun brother as he got older. Uh, He still teased me. 
had a good sense of humor, but he still teased me a lot, but I still loved him because I could see his heart. His heart was really good towards people. But him and his wife had gone down to um, Las Vegas for a show, and uh, he was in the trucking industry, and there were going to be some trucks there or something. And uh, they had followed the GPS and got off track in the mountains, off on a logging trip. You know, people would, some people would know about this story because it was all over the news and on ABC and everywhere. But uh, uh, Rita, my sister-in-law, was left in the van and he tried to walk and get help and go over the mountain. Rita lived in the van for 40 years, um, 40, 40 years, 40 days. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's an incredible story. Uh, if you look up my last name on, on the Facebook, then you can find all about the story. But anyways, he went to get help and he had given Rita a map of where he was going. He, he said he'd be back in three days. Well, he didn't ever come back. And um, snow, not snowmobilers, but um, ATVers found mm -hmm. her after 40 days in the van. She had survived. She had um used a creek to go up and down um, uh, to get water. Uh, she had rationed her trail mix. Uh, the story is incredible. Um, so anyways, but um, we didn't know what had happened to Albert when they had found Rita. We, we were all excited about Rita and she had prayed to God Friday. She had prayed to God that if, uh, if for Mother's Day, that was going to be Mother's Day, May uh, whenever that was, about seven seven years ago, but uh, she had prayed that God would either have her back with her boys, she had three boys, or that she'd be in heaven. That was Friday morning, she got back in the van, and that's what she prayed, and uh, the ATVers found her on that day, and we were all together on Mother's Day of that year with the boys, all surrounded in um, somewhere... <laughs> somewhere in Nevada, if I remember. And uh, uh, so it was an incredible story. And so we never knew what actually happened to Albert. And we they found him about 10 months later. And they had found his backpack on a trail. And then they had found him. Um, and he had been, you know, under the snow. And he was actually still uh, part of him was still there and he had the blanket over him. So the comfort was knowing that uh, he had just probably died of hypothermia. We were worried that maybe the animals had got him or something, but that he had died of hypothermia. I hadn't at that time gone through my journey with forgiving him. So it was a difficult time for, for me um, mm -hmm. when he passed. Um, Although I, you know, although I've always loved him, um, he's a complicated person. <laughs> he loves to be a bully, but he, but he's got a big, huge, gigantic heart. Anyways, yeah. So that that's kind of the story. I didn't mean to trail off on all of that, but uh, an incredible story. Absolutely, and it just—I mean—it adds so much to this because just because of the whole situation of him bullying you when you were younger, and even when he was older having a big heart, but still, you know, teasing and maybe teasing a little bit too much. And do you think he ever knew that he had hurt you so deeply? Um, I do think so, because even his wife would say things. Even people that I talk to now as adults, 
they knew about it from my childhood. So everybody knew about it, you know, and everybody that was surrounded knew that Albert just loved to, you know, he, he just was <laughs> nasty to me. Yeah. <laughs> just loved to tease me, just loved it. He woke up to do it every morning. So uh, yeah, everybody, everybody kind of knew about it. And he, Rita would tell him, his, his wife would say, you know, you really need to calm down on Lorraine because he'd still tease me when, uh, you know, not um, fatty, fatty, two by four. He stopped that. That was when I was a child. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Wow. You have such a great heart. Um, I'm assuming that it runs in the family, that everybody in your family had a great heart and your father and your mom and your other siblings. and um, Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, there were six of us and we have a, yeah, we do. We, we have a good family. No family is perfect. Right. And we all kind of come into this and um, there can be some dysfunction. As a child, when there's a little bit dysfunction, we don't know how to sort it through. Right. So we take on these different, uh, these different elements or we take things personally or we're the victim. And that's kind of what I did. I will tell you, Nada, I'm loving life now. <laughs> so there's always there's always hope out there, no matter what anybody's experience. Um, when you take responsibility for you and for your happiness, you know that what what's neat about it is when you take care of your happiness, you have more to give to the world. I grew up in it was our home was a little bit religious, and I always thought if I thought about myself, it was selfish that I was being self-centered. And the opposite is true. When I take care of myself, I have much more to give to others and to listen to others and be there because I am complete in myself and I don't need anybody else. So now I have everything to give and um, that's what's exciting. Absolutely. And do you think more people are starting to understand that, that it's self-care, it's not selfish when we take care of ourselves? Because if we don't take care of ourselves, it's that old adage of the well, there's nothing left in there to give to anybody. Right. So we have to be able to go to that place and take care of ourselves so we can show up as better people and really be able to help other people in the world and then I think you're not going around in the world so pissed off because you feel really good about yourself because you took care of yourself, whatever that taking care of looks like for each individual person. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, and I think times have changed that we're much more aware of that in our society now than as a child. I, you know, that was 60 years ago. And yeah. so my mom didn't talk about self-care to me. No, she didn't ever mention that. You just kind of, you know, worked hard, you know, you were honest and you never thought about yourself. You thought about other people. So I think the self-care aspect of, of living right now is, is so wonderful because absolutely, it's absolutely true, Nate. If you don't take care of yourself, um, you have nothing, you have nothing to give to anybody because you're giving from an empty cup. When you take care of yourself, you're giving from a full, overflowing, it's an abundance. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you are 
overflowing and full of abundance of love and zest for life. And oh, you just can feel the happy energy that's with you. And it's just such a beautiful thing, Lorraine. And what a blessing you are to the entire world and the people that you meet. Your radio show, we're going to start wrapping this up and bringing it in for a landing. And I wonder if you would be willing to tell the audience, I know your audience obviously knows about your show, but I would love to share it with my audience. And if you can tell me a little bit about your show, which is Never Too Late Ever, can you tell me a little bit what you talk about on there? Okay, Never Too Late Ever, and um, I've been uh, on the radio show for about eight months, and it's about the fact that it is never too late to turn your ship around. So I'm 60, but I have had people on my show that are 80, that are dynamite. And so it is just never too late to go after your dreams in your life, never too late to lose weight, never too late to make your marriage better or make your relationships with your children. We often think of um, especially when you when you get older into your 60s, some people have resigned and think, oh, life is just the way it is. It's always been this way. Well, it's not true. You can make the next 20 or 30 years of your life just dynamite. And so it's all about that. So I have different guests on. Some um, last week was on speak uh, on listening, listening skills, which I just loved uh, learning. And uh, so I have guests that tell their stories, uh, all kinds of, um, just a variety of guests that are really helpful for those that that just want to be inspired and motivated to make a difference. Yeah, fabulous. Right, the more the merrier. And I think the more empowered we become when we know that there's all of these other jet setters out there doing it, showing us role models that are already doing it when they're in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. Once you start talking to people that have hit those kinds of ages, 70s and 80s and 90s, and they're doing stuff, you have no excuse. You can't say, I'm too old. It's like, BS. Look at all these people that are doing it. That's right. That's just your mindset. You got to change your mindset and decide you want to do it differently. Right, exactly. And Nada, sometimes I see, I've seen videos of women, I remember of somebody that was about 93 or 94, who was in gymnastics and was amazing. <laughs> so there, you are right. There's no excuse. Uh, there, there just never is. Because your life is exactly how you make it. And like I said, we're 100% responsible for our own lives. So if we want to make the next 15, 20 years like crazy, wonderful, it's up to us. And uh, yeah, and you know, I'd like the audience know that if they go to LorraineHoving.com, they can um, uh, go on my website and then download my top tips for living an extraordinary life. And they might enjoy that, so. Yes, absolutely. And I know that was your free gift that you were offering. And in the show notes, that will be in there. So listeners, if you did not catch her name, don't worry, keep driving your car. It will be in the (laughs) show notes. And um, Lorraine's name will be in there. Her website will be in there and the free gift will be in there and how to contact Lorraine will also be in there. So don't worry. I promise you it will all be in there. Because Lorraine, you are just such a light. You have inspired me. I'm not that many years behind you, but you have inspired me um, 
to be everything that I can possibly be. And I, I love the, the trauma that you've overcome. I love the grace and the beauty that you did it in. And I just love seeing that and hearing that smile on your face and that true brilliant life that comes out of you and just what a blessing it is for other people to be around that. So thank you so very much for sharing that with us and sharing your time with us today. Right. And I appreciate you, Nada. I, you know, it's so exciting to talk to you. I wish we could, you know, hug. That's, that's yes. how I feel like. I just wish we were closer. Uh, <laughs> but hearing your voice and your laughter is just, I know that you live each day uh, to the best that you know how to also, and that you are totally inspiring and motivating. Uh, so I'm excited for your, for your show and for your listeners. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate that, Lorraine. Yes. And I have a feeling we'll be talking again down the road here. I would love to have you on here again and give the listeners some more inspired ideas and let us know what you're up to now. And the final thing, I almost forgot about this. With your radio show, was that something you aspired to do or did that just happen? Uh, that happened. I, I was doing an online summit and my one of my last guests was uh, Dr. Gail Carson, the icon that you that you met. Yes. Uh, yes. And uh, right after the show, we had had such good energy throughout the show and I just kind of knew it was going well. And so right after the show, I looked at my email and suddenly I get this email and she said that she'd like to offer me my own show on her network. And I was like, I, I, I remember looking at it going, are you, are you kidding me? Is this really happening? <laughs> I was just, I was just thrilled. And she is a delight. In fact, she's on my show uh, the next two weeks. And Nada, you're going to be on my show, which is thrills me for your audience also. Uh, so I'll be interviewing you in a few weeks. Yes, yes, you will. And I'll let everybody know when that's going to happen and when that's going to um, be aired out on your show and my show. I'll let everybody Perfect. know when those are coming out. So all of that will be sent out in emails and, and uh, social media. So you won't be missing out on anything. So Perfect. Uh, Perfect. And for the audience, um, go out there and make your life the best that you can. It's never too late ever. Um, like I've said, until it is. And so what we want to do is live every day that we have uh, to the best of our ability to love ourselves, love others. And uh, it's, it's an incredible life uh, when we get our eyes off of um, feeling like we're a victim and get our eyes on to taking 100% responsibility to loving others. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a game changer. It's a game changer. It is. Yeah. Uh, Lorraine, thank you so very much. I'm sending you a big energetic hug all the way from Minnesota, and I know it's going to reach you. And I adore you. I love you. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. And okay. Yes. And everybody, don't forget, all of the information will be there on the show notes, so you will be able to connect with Lorraine no problem. So thank you all for being with us today. I hope you enjoyed the zesty and full of life, <laughs> full-spirited Lorraine. And I know you had to walk away with some great tips from this. So enjoy, live life to the fullest. And remember, you can dare a new belief in what is possible for your life. Much love, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for spending time with us today. Please go to nadahogan.com for show notes and other information that you can use right away. If you like what you've heard here, 
please subscribe to the podcast and don't forget to rate and review right there on iTunes, Stitcher, or however you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell your friends about it. We'll see you next week.